Hi, welcome back to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy and I'm here with Mark Sayers and Pastries. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're back. We didn't have them last. Uh, uh, we had we had Terry Walling with us, but yes. this is a whole new level because not only do we have Pastries, we have Terry Walling back. We do. Oh, yes. Mom, but you have both. We have yeah. both. both. And we have tried to deliver uh, Pastries to Terry via the network. Yes, so we talk about network pastries, <laughs> um, that the digital world. But um, Well, we first tried through the chat box and that didn't work. No, so you guys no. actually yeah, tried, tried to send it over. it through so. the, um, the camera and that didn't work. Well, I did, I did have a photo either. here because I did my friend Thomas Villa's podcast, which is a Danish church leaders podcast. Yes. And he brought his own. I don't know if people can see that, but he, well, the people listening can't. Yes. Um, but he did. I'll show you. I'll show you. He did bring his own pastry. And I got to say, like, when you're going up against a Dane with pastries, I mean, that's next oh, level. They're yeah. just, they're just, that's world champions of. Uh, oh, if the know, Danes yeah. are I mean, going to bring the, da- just... the Danishes yeah. for dinner, yeah, yeah, yeah. over. Yeah, they just call, they're so highly, they just call them the Danishes. Like, that's, yeah, when you've <laughs> named it, you know, that's when you've reached pastry perfection. Uh, yes. Um, sorry, I'm just thinking about pastries now and yeah. how we can't really beat, beat the Danes at pastries. Uh, Terry, it is so great to have you back again. Nice to be um, back, yeah. We last time talked about, I guess, transitions and leadership and how we step mm. into the invitation of the transition. Um, yep. This time, kind of want to... Uh, narrow in on something that you mentioned in response to one of the opening questions you were talking about uh, how leaders are experiencing depletion at this point in time but then you also mentioned that there is um, a lot of challenges surrounding being caught in the crossfire Mm, of um, the vast array of opinions that are going on um, in the world at the moment and the pressure that that's placing on leaders right yeah, I'd love you to sort of explore that in a little bit yeah, more yeah. depth. What does that look like? What challenges does that present? Yeah. Well, um, I think the reason I I just have been listening to a lot of leaders out there and um, they themselves are trying to work through the issues while simultaneously having people in their churches, their ministries or whatever, polarized on various places mm. of, of the issues. And so one, they themselves don't know all of where they stand on th- some things, and yet they're responsible to lead uh, these people. And, you know, church, basically, basically we forget leadership. It has power to it. Mm. So whenever you're in leadership, now you're coming up against sometimes power brokers, you're coming up against, Um, different factions, different opinions. And I'm just hearing, it's almost like the shrapnels flying over their heads as they're trying to cope with just almost saying hi in church. Mm. People aren't talking to each other because of opinions. People aren't. And I know this is probably more, I almost said trumped up, but this is almost, (laughs) you know, this is more difficult because it's the situation in the United States. Mm But I hear it all over the place. And one of the things I was reminding of, one of the key strategies of the enemies is to isolate us. Mm. So what he's done in the pandemic is isolate people. Mm. When you're in isolation now, you begin to start thinking things and going to places and actually holding opinions you don't normally hold Mm. when things are just fluid. 
Mm. But because things are locked down, what begins to happen is people entrench. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, what it starts pushing on is it starts pushing on the self-definition of that leader. So if they are not self-defined, now I don't mean self-defined as as in humanism or narcissistic or anything like mm-hmm. that. Probably for us, a better way to say it, if they're not God-defined mm-hmm. and God-aligned, those are the two things that I think are key to self-defined. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is they get sucked up into the vortex of this battle. Mm-hmm. It it actually now puts them right in the crossfire of these arguments. And now they don't know how to handle the polarization that's going on in their church Mm. because they themselves aren't in some sense. And I hope everybody understands this right. Secure enough within themselves to handle it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because one of the things when you're not self-defined, you take every problem and interpret it that it's your problem. You hear every disagreement and you interpret it that it must, they must think that because of problem I have. Mm. I wasn't clear when I taught that sermon. I wasn't done. I wasn't. So people who are not self-defined internalize Mm. the problems Mm. and it causes them in, in essence to actually struggle even more than most people because most people are having their opinions. They have to handle all the opinions. So let me just stop there and and breathe for a second. But that crossfire and that isolation and that challenge is been accentuated and pushed on a leader's um, understanding of their own identity. Mm. Yeah. Just as you were talking there, Terry, I I was thinking of something you said last time and how it applies to this in the sense that um, you said in our last um, sort of time together that you know, often when you're, um, you know, God brings up old issues when we're facing new struggles. Mm. And, right. you know, I just thought about like, you know, the pandemic kicked off and then in, in the US in particular, you know, there was this, um, you know, reckoning with racism and historic. So it was like, yep. it was almost like that yep. socially, this old problem. So facing a new problem, COVID, but then there's this old problem totally. coming up. I've seen that in different countries around the world as like, um, you know, just was seeing on the news this morning in, in the Netherlands, there was an explosion of this coronavirus thing, but it's sort of, you know, all these cultural tensions coming up. And mm. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, like I th- one thing I noticed here in Australia is there has been less of a cultural thing, um, but almost seeing it in personal ways with lots of people. Yeah, okay. So it's it's almost like, you know, what you've talked about with leaders, where leaders like have gone through the pandemic, there's isolation, there's depletion, um, and yep. the leader's aware yep. of that. But then you might have a church where there's hundreds of ordinary, you know, people who, you know, are not in ministry or not in leadership, but then they're going through a transition. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. often yeah. we think oh, of yeah. the leader's just going through a transition and he's got to help his church understand that yes. or her church understand that. But it's almost now like, what do you do? Yeah, you're going through it, but then you've got all these people. And in a sense, there's a culture amongst leaders and even the fact that yeah. people are listening to this of wanting to learn, wanting to process yeah. But then you've got a congregation or the people you're leading, they have no way of processing. They they right. and you become the target. Yeah, I just interested in your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and um you are the target in that because of the issue of authority and power. Mm. So the pastor becomes the target because in some sense we position the pastor as the leader and the one in control. Mm. 
So we have a fight now. You must sort it out. Mm. We have a problem. You must solve it. Mm. We have an issue. You must figure it. That's why we put you in this place. Mm. And I tell leaders, don't take the bait. Because you are not the one there to solve it. You are the one to actually help them realize that the problem is actually not this opinion. It's how we're reacting to it. Mm. Mm. Now, that takes a very defined person to say that to them. Mm. I'm not going to answer your question, but I am going to ask you a question, which by the way, this was a technique of Jesus. Yes. What is this issue pushing inside of you? Yeah. Mm. Why is it? I haven't heard this before. And now I'm hearing this now. Mm. What even could God be at work doing using that issue to shape you? Mm. That take some real strength and that's almost that non-anxious presence we've talked about before mm-hmm. because Arthur Friedman uh, who wrote the book failure of nerve, basically great work, but he says a leader's a self-defined person with a non-anxious presence. You don't wake up and say, I think I'll be non-anxious today. Yes. Uh, Not with sitting in the middle of the battle and stuff flying all all around you. Mm. The only way you're not anxious is to go to greater certainty about you, Mm. not that you have the answers. Mm. Can you say that again? (laughs) The only way you move to greater non-anxious is not being certain that you have the answers. It's being more certain about you. Mm. And being okay that you don't have to have the answers Mm. to the problems these people want sorted out. Mm. In fact, when you do, you take responsibility for the problem. And the problem is often them. Mm. The issue is touching on something inside of them. Mm. Now, this is a crash course in in something called self-leadership, but I find all a lot of times when leaders take responsibility to solve other people's problems, we get into a world of hurt mm. and it actually throws that leader off and they actually get wounded and everything through this process. So mm. let me just take a breath there and, and see if that makes some sense. Yeah. What are you hearing in Matt, Mark? I'm yeah. I, I, I think like what I'm, what I'm seeing is, a lot of leaders, and I'm, I'm even, you know, had to think whether this was me as well. I think there's a lot of leaders who, before the pandemic, you know, like, like I, I talked about, you know, we're trying to make, you know, Edward Freeman famous again with his book, Anxious Presence, and, you know, having a second moment, I've referred to. Yep. And a lot of people almost read that book and were like, okay, because we have this cultural issue of anxiety, which right. is like, everything's great, but I feel bad. Um, right. And, you know, uh, so therefore, okay, so the answer then for leaders in, in a thing where there's this generalized anxiety, but everything's great, how right. do I then be a non-anxious presence in that place? I feel like we've now changed like a greater level of intensity or, we've, you know, where now, now it's really like the, the shrapnel's flying 
Um, and yeah, uh, so in a sense, this is a whole different thing. So in a sense, it's like easy to be not easy, but it seems achievable to be non-anxious when you're surrounded by other people because I rest well and mm. you know yeah. I do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but then it's like no, no, you got half. Your ch- and like also, what I'm 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 sensing as well, talking to a lot of younger leaders, is almost this thing that. I didn't expect to be facing this. So yes, I know that there's factions. I know that there's backlash, but that all happens at that big church down the road, or that happens in my right. parents' generation, right. or that happens right. with that, um, right. you know, alpha male leader down there. Yeah, we're we're, yep. we're different. We're we're more nuanced. Yeah. Um, but then they're experiencing experiencing from their friends, experiencing from even other leaders who disagree with them on these mm-hmm. issues. Um, yeah. So. This this sense then of being self-defined, it's also challenging where we find security because it could be like, right. well, I'm different. Us over here in my little stream over here, we're different. But then all of a sudden, like, no, this this is a challenge you're facing as well. Yeah. And you know what's interesting too when I listened to you talk just right then, it I, I remembered if you're sitting between 20 and even early 40s, the most critical formation issue for you is identity. Mm-hmm. Identity. Mm-hmm. Who am I? And am I okay with who I am? Yeah. Identity issues. So, you know, 40s to, to 50s, that, that arena, they got their problem. It's intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Am I really, really going to keep growing and allow people in to see who I really am? Mm. Which is where all the leader falls are, um, if you think about it. But, mm. but the bottom line is the um, when you said that with the young, with especially younger leaders, I it's amazing to me. It's almost like a double whammy because they got to be it that way for the culture, and yet that's what's going on inside of them. Mm. Yeah, that's the issue already happening inside of him now accentuated. Mm. So one of the things um, that is a common leadership principle across the board is if you're going to finish well, you have to grow in your self-awareness. You've got to grow in understanding who you are. Mm. And self-awareness is a common problem with leaders. Leaders aren't very self-aware because they spend so much time trying to influence others. Mm. They forget to remember they're in the mix and who they are. Mm. But here's what I've discovered. Mm. The issue is not self-awareness. It's self-acceptance. Can you accept who you are? One thing to become aware of who you are, can you accept who you are? Mm. So it's almost like if you can imagine, we've got some kind of levels down into this. And let me give you one more. If you grow in your self-awareness, you can count on having to accept who you are. And if, But here's the goodies. If you can accept who you are, you can move into what's called self-leadership. Mm where you don't allow the situation and everything to lead you, you take responsibility for you and now grow to be a better you. Who are you? Do you accept who you are? And now are you going to be take responsibility to be that person? Mm. So one of the things that happens in this shrapnel 
is it brings questions to leaders. I don't have what it takes. I don't even know if I want to do this. I got people coming at me. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm going to date myself, but I I feel like, you know, I'm kind of the elastic man or whatever being expanded (laughs) all different ways or whatever. The bottom line is, yeah, that's what happens. What might God be doing? Trying to shore up your identity mm-hmm. and going after you being willing to take a good hard look at who you are. And the key thing is who you're not. Mm-hmm. And are you okay? again to of young leaders who is a lot of our audience and there's been a sense where one thing I've noticed is that just on that statement who you're not there has been social media has been such a key thing for their development so in a sense it's like totally see people copying other types of leaders mm-hmm. you know um, and yep. almost there was a period where you know if you've got a good social media profile you're getting lots of affirmation you know someone puts up like hey here's a quote and there's like you know fire emojis and then what <laughs> I noticed like in the last year you know um, you know, particularly saw this in the States, but I think it's elsewhere, it's, it's going everywhere now, is backlash. So, you know, whether it's political issues, whether it's yep. COVID response, um, just yep. all of a sudden those social media channels, which once were a source of affirmation and approval and may still be, uh, you know, but also there it is backlash as well. Um, so do you see that, you know, in a sense, this is an invitation? So I guess I guess people who are hearing that and going, well, um, you know, what do you mean by that at a deeper level of how do I yeah. find it who I'm not and how do I accept that perhaps in a culture which is wanting me all the time to be something that I'm not? Or like five different things to what I'm not. Yes. yes. <laughs> or what I am. Yeah. 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 And, and just even on well, that, I mean, just sorry, just to add one thing, like, you know, like even we've tried to work out how to pitch how do we present in the midst of a global pandemic? And, you know, in terms of like when we're in complete lockdown, we can go back to some sort of worship now. But, you know, when we were just doing video, there was this challenge like we are trying to like, well, we've got to recognize this is going on. Yes. And then we've got to um, uh, also try and be positive. But we would get it both ways. Like you're being too positive. Yeah. You're, you're, or, or, you know, oh, you you shouldn't be mentioning the pandemic. We just (laughs) want to get on with our lives. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, you're gonna add it you know, for yeah. most for most Christian leaders, there's something called false humility. Hmm. What is false humility? Humility is an honest estimation of your strength and your weakness. Yeah. That's humility. Say that again, Terry. Humility is an honest estimation and an understanding of your strength and your weakness. You don't run from either one of those, but you're not overly infatuated with either one of those. Yes. False humility is when you start to camp on one or the other. Yes. It may sound funny, but pride, the essence of pride is really false humility. Mm. Mm. 
And same with dwelling on your weaknesses Mm. and just building your whole life around what you're not. So Mm. humility is this honest acceptance of both these things. Mm. Later on in the journey, you'll find a guy named Richard Rohr who will tell you about true self, false self. And we all carry that with us. And it's not whether you live in one or the other. It's which slide of the continuum are you on? Mm. Sliding toward who you're not or are you sliding toward who you are yeah. kind of a deal. So I'm not trying to complicate it. What I am trying to say, though, is um, part of, of how you find that is understanding that I have some strengths I bring and I have some weaknesses that I have. Mm. And I'm actually OK with that. I understand that. I don't condone my weaknesses and I'm not that impressed with my strengths. Mm. I'm me. Mm. I'm who I am. I've been gifted. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not overly infatuated with myself. I am with the King. I bring pluses and minuses. Mm. It takes real courage to accept that about yourself. But once you do, all of a sudden what begins to happen is, there's a there's what you bring to the table in these moments is not somebody who's trying to sort themselves out mm. in the midst of the problem. Mm. No, they can lead in the midst of the problem because mm. it's it's not about them now. Mm. It's about God, what are you doing? And how do you want me to react? to your people Mm. who are all over the place Mm. in their opinion. It's hard work, but it yields, I think, more holistic, healthy environments Mm. when we act like that. Mm. Just a a, a footnote, um, I think, for our Australian New Zealand listeners. (laughs) I think we Australians and Kiwis are very good at pointing out um, you are. I've uh, noticed that having lived there too. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes, you, you're, we're good at pointing out in America pride. And again, yes. you've, you're an American who's lived in Australia. That yep. um, I think you know, Australia New Zealand has an a epidemic of uh, false humility. Mm. Yeah. I think I agree. <laughs> <laughs> How was that for being very that was, politically that was right? Very restrained. That was very restrained. Um, I don't know whether you want to answer this or not, but um, can you give an example of what you mean by that? I, th- I think Australians will continually downplay, like you know, your your, your um, and and I think again, New Zealand's the same too. That um, you know, I think there's an element where you, you said, Terry, humility is uh, where you you know rightly estimate your strengths and weaknesses. Right. I think in Together, Australia, both. there's yep. there's in New Zealand, there's a thing where we have to play up our weaknesses mm. sometimes, yep. um, and yep. always downplay strengths because of the egalitarian yep. thing. Yep. And yep. you know, yep. so if you're, you know, it's almost like if you know how to do something, you almost don't say it because you don't want to be seen as being going above, or you make yeah, fun yeah. of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Or or you say you don't, even though everyone knows you do. Yes. That's, yes. That way it builds acceptance uh, yes. in so your true. in your society. I saw that all the time yes. when I was there. Yeah. I recognize, you know, we're t- Americans totally infatuated with our strengths mm. and believe we have no weaknesses kind of a deal. Mm. So, you know, that's even why, you know, the great 
great to kid a yank, especially mm. when they don't know you're kidding them. Um, because you know, <laughs> uh, you guys chase us around the block a couple times. I've been there, yes. but the reality is, um, that's why it's both. Yes, it's like we have our issue, you yes. guys have your issue, the culture is impinging on this. And can I be honest with you? That's why we don't have very many healthy environments. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not led by healthy leaders. Mm. They're either led by leaders who are trying to prove they can do something because deep inside they believe they can't. Mm. Yeah. Or they're led by somebody who's so ambitious, it's now about them, not the king. Mm. The other side. Mm. Holding and embracing both. And it's it's one of the reasons why I say you don't get to, you know what? You don't you don't get to the clarity you need alone. Mm. You need somebody alongside asking you questions and helping you sort this kind of stuff out. Mm. You're not going to get it from a book. I don't care what book. I even if it's the greatest book since sliced mm. bread, I don't care. You're gonna you're gonna get it when you have a relationship and a place to process the authentic things that are mm. going on inside of you mm. that war against you accepting mm. who God's made you to be. Mm. Mm. Well, great. You've just answered the question that I had about like what practical <laughs> ways can we actually bring ourselves more into the middle? Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Well, and I think one other thing is one of the things we created, and it's a free tool if they want to get it on our site, you can go to leaderbreakthroughthru.com. I have something called the every strategy. So I think every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, a leader's got to spend some time working on them. Mm. Working on voice recognition hearing God's voice, yeah. hmm. working on their honest appraisal of who they are and who they're not and growing more and more. But if you don't intentionally set aside those times for you, in fact, I tell leaders, put it in your diary, put it in put an appointment with you, hmm. block that half day, block that day away. If you don't do that, you're not going to make it. Hmm. But also then once you do that, get with somebody like a coach or whatever and process it with them mm. so that they get a chance to ask you obvious questions that because you're living it out, aren't so obvious to you. Mm. So this is now leadership today. A lot in former generations, you should need to do that. Yes, you, you should have. And we bought a lie there. You need to do that or you you're going to actually not make it in leadership. Mm. So, I guess like a, a final question, um, and I guess this is linked to, you know, uh, I guess a bigger thing that God's doing at this point in time, that mm. there's a sense where I know the stats are lots of people are leaving churches and, yeah. you know, you've got a lot of people who um, are finding backlash um, from leadership backlash from people in their yep. church. And, you know, there's an element where, you know, I've wondered whether one thing that's really sort of um, struggling at the moment is the sort of contemporary church, you know, I've called it the relevant model. So, again, not anything wrong with contemporary church or guitars or good graphics or whatever, but right, more the right, sense right, that right. we're going to put on this good sort of 
program for people which has a nice life application sermon mm -hmm. and great coffee and, you know, here's where your kids can be looked after in the service and good parking. Nice pastries. pastries. I'll bring it up yeah. again. Oh, no, pastries are core. You knew I had to go there. Core but, to the yeah. identity of the church. Well, not really the church, just this podcast. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's this sense where now there's this really fractious, fractious environment and – you know, is there a sense where leaders in the last era, the model was just try and get everyone in a, in a room. So you're going to try and please people. You know, part of me, I've wondered that there are people who have almost openly, like I've got pastor friends who've rung people in their church when lockdown happened and people are like, yep, look, I realized that I was coming for the community or the coffee or, um, you know, part of your sporting team or, you know, this, and I don't really have much relationship with Jesus and I don't know if I want to and I'm out. Is there an element that in this too that, leaders have to let some people go um, and there's like a truth moment in this and that they could emerge with a smaller church but a stronger church. Just interested in your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. Why don't you open up a can of worms <laughs> right here at the end? Uh, <laughs> you yeah, just your thoughts on that, Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all yeah. over the place in my thinking <laughs> on this, but, but let's tie it to the last issue. Mm. Most people can take people in but don't like people to leave. Why? It's touching on their inadequacies yeah. and their self-definition because mm. they made it about them. No matter what they said, it's about Jesus. It's about them. Mm. So they like me. I feel good about myself. They leave me. I feel bad about myself. Mm. So that issue is what's happening there versus what I think is really happening is Jesus is sorting out the church. Yeah. And either you're going to be a sheep who leave the sheep pen and follow him, John 10, because you hear his voice or you can't hear his voice because really you were banking on other people hearing his voice. Mm. You see the difference there? Yes, yes. And those people will be left in the pen and then there's because the, the shepherd's gone, they're going to be susceptible to the wolves. Mm. Now that's a lot of what's happening in the evangelical church in America. I'll just say that. Mm. And, and we're being sorted out. Mm. Um, but I think the second major thing in response to that is we have to have a smaller more passionate church mm. because the world does not want to see hear anymore what we have to say. Mm. Yeah. They want to see it. Mm. So you can no longer be a disciple who is not behaving. I'm just here to make noises. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I hear I hear those noises, and it's not because you just bit into the best part of the pastry. Oh, so the bottom end. line is, you we used to be able to have attenders. Yeah. Now we can only be what we should have been to start with: apprentices. Mm. <laughs> apprentices of Jesus not attenders of services. Yeah. And leaders have to be defined enough to let the attenders go. Mm. They left Jesus. Remember that moment? And Jesus said, well, are you guys going too? 
Oh, no, this is too hard now. But Peter, where else are we going to go? Yeah. We've leveraged everything. Hmm. We're apprentices. We got to know how to do this thing. We can't leave you. The others could because they were attenders. Hmm. So this, this whole idea right now of we could lose people, I'm just going to say it frankly. We need to lose people. Mm. We need to lose some people who are curious but will never be convinced <laughs> in order to ourselves now step into a behavior faith, not just a belief faith. Yeah. A belief faith has to be translated into behavior. Mm. So final comment, this is then why I think discipleship is being raised up on the profile so strongly, Mm. because I believe the spirit of God is raising the discipleship profile up for this very reason. And it's going to go sideways on you. You thought you're going to understand this, but it's because we've left mission out of discipleship. Mm. If you think about how Jesus did this, here's how he did it. Hey, guys, I'm going to orient you. Now go out and do it. Mm. Yeah. What? I didn't take the eight-week discipleship class. (laughs) How do I do it? Well, you're going to go out there and find out what you need. Jesus had mission in discipleship. Mm. We've siloed it. Mm. It's mission in. Now when you come back, guess what you find out? Hey, Jesus, that time your formula didn't work. Oh, yeah, with that one, it's prayer and fasting. Mm. You know what? The only way they would ask that question is if they'd gone out there and experienced that issue. Mm. Mm. Disciples are oriented. They experience it, mission. Then they come back and know the training they need to live it. Mm. That's the road of apprenticeship. Mm. that's why in the old excuse me i'm going on and on but that's why in jesus's day it's the rabbi yeah yeah and and you know what they would all wander around the rabbi i don't know if you ever seen fiddler's roof or whatever they'd all wander around rabbi what do you Mm. think about this Mm. they would ask the questions as they need them we've been answering questions people know they don't need yeah when we start answering questions, they have to have because their neighbor next door and the people that have lived around them are so different from them and they don't know how to relate. Mm-hmm. When we start asking those kind of questions, boom, our faith will grow mm-hmm. and we'll have more apprentices. Mm-hmm. See all that in that little question that you threw at me, Mark. Oh, wow. So there you go. That was, <laughs> that was gold. That was awesome. I mean, almost to bring it full circle, there's a sense where, you know, we asked this, the beginning question was really, how do you deal with this backlash, all this stuff that's coming up for people? Yeah. And, you know, in a sense, like there's almost been that going out because we couldn't get everyone in the building, you know, depends, yep. depends where you're in the world listening to this, but, you know, most yep. places in the world are a period where they haven't, some people still aren't back. And, you know, people then went out and had to test their faith. You know, I know they weren't going out two by two like in the yeah. gospel, but you no. know, well, how do yeah. I do church at my home with my housemates, with my kids? Yeah. How do I serve my street? 
and um, or you know, what is my faith when there's not a really loud band, you know, playing and um, yeah. ushers and you know, a program for me to follow? Can can I worship without all yes. of the nuances around me and the mm-hmm. band yes. performing? Yeah, watching a screen yeah. or you know, like and yeah. Um, yeah, so in a sense, this moment can be reframed as this huge moment. I just just when you had that image of the rabbi, I just thought yeah. you can see this moment like, oh my goodness, there's this crowd. I want to get away. Or there's a bunch of people who, it's very Jesusy. There's some people leaving. <laughs> there's people yeah. following with questions. There's people <laughs> yeah. wanting him to do something. There's people think about it him. exactly. Yeah. It was all around him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's almost like COVID is that you know cast back into you know Jesus, Jesus rocking times. around <laughs> the countryside. It's just like Jesus to take and use a COVID to do something we so desperately needed and couldn't get done ourselves. Mm. And what would that be, Terry? Oh, I'm so glad you had asked. <laughs> Being okay with some people leaving the church. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Why? Because we came out of the church growth era, which my generation did and and we're paying the price for that says you're not successful unless they all stay in fact more gotta come wow no you're successful if i read the book right when more of them look like jesus and less like themselves that is success I think for next time when we have Terry on, we need Daniel to have some like sound effects of like explosions like. You mean me just going. Yeah. Oh, it's not enough. We need full Hollywood sound explosions. Well, that's why you only have me on like once a quarter a year. I just blow everything up and then I leave. Hey, we'll see you. Well, I'm I'm just not going to add to that at the Mm. end. Basically what I'm going to do is crunch a bite of this croissant and that's going to be our farewell i'll take us out you cry cry if you're gonna eat then yeah all right yes well thanks thanks yeah yes thanks so much terry and (laughs) um, uh, it's been such a privilege and yeah if people know more about terry uh, leaderbreakthrough.com and uh it's been a real privilege thank you liddy no worries here we go Um, here's the crunch are you ready oh Oh, that was was a crunch yes well have a great week thank you (laughs) 